0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Live show presented, as always, by our friends at High Noon. Solly here. DJ Pie is here. Hello, Pie Man. Hey, guys. How are you? Neil is here. He's got a suspicious lighting situation going on in the studio, but we're going to power our way through it. Hello. Happy Sunday, Neil.
3: Happy Sunday to you. I'm hoping the sun goes down here in New York City. Beautiful day in the big city. First one of spring. We're, we're excited.
0: We're excited to chop it up with you clowns. I'm happy you spent it watching the the dud of the finale that we got some action this morning. It was a very fun morning, and of course, as I mentioned, the show is brought to you by our friends at High Noon. It is here, the High Noon Tequila Seltzer, made with real blanco and real juice. Listen, I've had uh, you know real blanco tequila, real juice. I've had way too many of the vodka ones this weekend. Uh, I'm happy to be switching over to the ke- tequila tonight. I'm going strawberry. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I'm a big tequila fan, have turned into a big tequila fan. I've been anxiously awaiting for the high noon tequila seltzer, seltzer, and it is here. It comes in four bright, crisp colors, strawberry, lime, grapefruit, and passion fruit. Of course, only 100 calories. It's gluten-free, no added sugar. They have already hit the shelves in multiple locations. They're going to be fully available nationwide by May 1st, just in time for summer. They really do hit different in the sun. I had them out on the golf course this week. They were extremely, extremely popular at the halfway house, the member guest. And as you mentioned, Neil, anywhere you go, the first thing they're going to run out of is high noons. So That's exactly right, especially up here. You can look for high noon uh, on Drizzly or at your local convenience or liquor store or visit highnoonspirits.com to find it near you. Sam Burns is the winner of the final WGC match play. We are going to uh, eulogize the WGCs a bit later, unfortunately, or fortunately. Maybe it's time to say goodbye. I don't think we're happy to say goodbye to this event. Mike Wallace is your winner at the Corrales Punta Cana. Nick Basham Batcham wins the Johnson Workwear Open uh, in South Africa. And the LPGA is finishing up uh, as we speak here. But, Pine Man, I'll throw it to you first. What's your reaction from... Uh, Up and down action weekend of of Match Play Golf.
1: Yeah, I I almost felt a little hungover this afternoon after putting a ton of energy into the morning matches. And then, you know, the afternoon was... I burned too bright as well. I went too hard. (laughs) afternoon was a bit of a dud, not, you know, by the fault of nobody, but it's just the way things go. It it was almost kind of, if you're looking for metaphors, I feel like it it was almost kind of the perfect way for this tournament to end, which is that... This is kind of the macro version of what happens every year. It's always like, oh, my God, if we could just get this and this, (laughs) this could be the best tournament in the history of the world. And it just never seems to break that way. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. But, I mean, the big one is just, you know, you can't play. You can optimize this thing as much as you possibly want. But at the end of the day, an 18-hole round of golf is just going to be a coin flip between these two, you know, between these this level of players. And you just can't play God with an event like this and you're never going to get, you know, it's going to take 25 years and maybe you're going to get Rory and Scheffler, but more than likely you're probably not. And uh, that's kind of just the way things go. I got some some ideas uh, of, of maybe what we could do in the future if we want to go all in on a match play tournament for for right now, for what it is, for all the optimization that needs to happen for sponsors and for TV and for the players and for all of these things. This is kind of the risky run. And, uh, you know, it was a bit of a dud of an afternoon, but what are you,
0: you going to do? I don't really know how you, how you can really change it that much right now it's consistent though with how it's gone it's it's just an inverted tournament like the excitement is usually just earlier on there's just more chances for excitement the more golf that's actually happening on the golf course i still hate what they've done with pool play i cannot figure out what happens wednesday through friday i say this every year like they don't cover it well i never know who's even in the the groups what the scenarios are coming down the back nine on friday it's impossible but man when it flipped on into the quarterfinal play or round of 16 play saturday morning it was like oh this is the only thing that matters like in in golf anywhere like this is more important then the majors this is the greatest golf anywhere played on the calendar and then by the end of it it's kind of like oh yeah it's just a weirdly inverted weekend that just is a little uncomfy for golf fans neil what's your your reaction to all this well you have to get out out on site right neil is that your first time out there? i was yeah cody and i were out there
3: wednesday and i would say uh, i agree with you on pool play um i don't think you need it but the early parts of a match play week are probably the best parts because it's just uh you know, there's a million groups coming through. There's just a lot of storylines, a lot of, like, you know, guessing who's who's doing well, who's not. I think Saturday was, I mean, probably one of my favorite golf-watching days, and I can remember for the last year. I was locked in all day. I thought the broadcast did a pretty good job of, you know, getting me shots from each match. I kind of felt like I knew what was going on, and there was just a lot of high-level golf being played. This morning was awesome. I was gearing up for a big afternoon, and it was almost, a, a like, the golf viewing version of a Mongolian reversal. All of a sudden, you know, oh, we're going to extra holes. No way Scotty loses this. Right. And then, you know, Cam Young's chipping out sideways from a bunker and Rory, you know, didn't play aggressive. And all of a sudden he's like, oh my God, Rory's got a 15 footer to extend the match. Like, what just happened? <laughs> right. And Scotty misses a five footer on 13. Like, what the fuck, man? And so then I was kind of like, oh boy, like, and I, f- I even feel like the two guys in the finals were kind of like, oh man, like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I was supposed to be here. You know what I mean? It was a little anticlimactic. Scotty um, missing that putt on 13 was was started the slow motion
1: car wreck of just like, oh wait, this can happen. What if they both miss? That that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. I've I've already filled out my bracket. I've already already you know p- picked out my snacks for the afternoon. I'm all dialed for this great day. Yeah, it, it was uh, that's
3: tough. That's tough. I mean that's tough. I think but overall I probably as a golf fan enjoy watching match play more than uh, the traditional format, but there, it, it is, it's true. There's some drawbacks like Cody and I lucky enough to have some inside the ropes, like passes. If you don't have those and the matches get down to maybe four you know, matches going on in the course and you're a fan, you're, you're screwed. Right. And I think Dell's done a really good job with that 12, 13, 14, 15, that like alley down by the, uh, the river. I mean, it is double-decker hospitality down there, and that's really the only way you're going to be able to see any golf. Um, so I know you, you know you think about the logistics of that, and it, it doesn't make for a great spectating experience uh, if you're not in a you know, hospitality booth or you know, you're know you not inside the ropes. Uh, but when you are, we followed Rory versus Scott Stallings for 10, 11 holes. There's nothing better than the ebbs and flows of match play. There's all this interpersonal stuff going on. Is he going to give this putt? You know they're kind of communicating, being nice, and then also some gamesmanship. I just I I feel like watching match play up close and personal is a a true joy. So bummed that the tournament is uh, not going to come back next year, but we can talk about that a little bit.
1: It's such a funny push and pull, isn't it? That you know, trying to design these things for so many different people, I think is what ultimately leaves you in this situation where you kind of like nobody really wins, right? Like you're kind of trying to design it for the sponsor and you're trying to design it for the fans on site and making sure they have plenty of stuff to watch. You're kind of not, you know, you're kind of sort of designing it for the people on TV, which is the vast, 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 vast majority of the people who are watching it. It's just a, it's a really weird thing, Neil. And especially it's, it's almost kind of disheartening to hear you say that where it's like, Yeah. I mean, if you're on site, you know, hopefully you're in the right place at the right time. And, you know, it ends up sounding like the Ryder Cup, right? Where it's just like, oh, yeah, I mean, I I got an Instagram picture. Like I was there. I didn't see anything. But like, here I am. You can see that I was there. But whereas like the Ryder Cup is so built for TV that you don't really miss anything. And and it's just you feel totally locked in. So it's I don't know. It's just it's a tough, tough nut to crack, man. It's kind of. An unenvious un-
3: position trying and, and to sell that you, to a sponsor. And if you can follow a match and stick with it and and have you know the room to view it, it's very, it's one of the few times watching golf tournaments where I feel present, right? Because you're not worried. You're yeah. like, oh God, the action. You, you're always leaderboard watching when it's a stroke play event. So it's like all this other stuff's happening around the golf course. But in this, it's like, oh no, this is just these two guys going at it one versus one. And, and I, I find that to be a, a good change up. So I would love it if there was at least one match play event on the calendar. I've, I've really enjoyed this event the last five,
0: six years. To, to me, where I end up with all this, unfortunately, is kind of the same way I end up with TIO, which is just like down this like long winding path of like, what is pro golf, right? Like, what what is it, right? And the reason why we end up with 72 hole stroke play events that all kind of look the same is probably for a reason, right? Yet at the same time, I think a lot of golf fans really love this event. I think this golf course and this event is a great marriage and partnership in terms of the quirk it provides, the different uh, playing styles that get rewarded, the not just bomb and gouge. uh, Driving distance is not just a straight-up prerequisite on this golf course. There's funky, quirky little pins. There's kind of par three-and-a-halves all throughout it, and it matches up really well. I just don't think you'd ever have a stroke play PGA Tour event on this golf course, but you would a match play. And, you know, yet you end up like down these, all these different paths. I think every year we, we try to like fix the match play or why doesn't the tour championship go to match play or why match play, match, play. all the people, so many people on TV love watching this format in some way. So how, what is the answer to all of these questions? I guess we can kind of get into that as we break at, break down the tournament, but it is so it's, I'm so torn between like, God, this was freaking awesome. Yet oh, I totally understand why this is, does not sell.
1: Well, I think you hit on something, Neil, as far as the in-person experience and and feeling really present while you're watching it. I think there's something to that on the telecast too, where when you're watching a 72-hole stroke play event, anything before the back nine on Sunday just doesn't feel like there's a lot of gravity or consequence to anything, right? Like, is 72-hole stroke play the best way to identify who's the best player that week? I would say, yes, it is. And that's how you should run tournaments if that's the goal is to try to identify the best player. But when you have, like... So do or die, either win a hole, lose a hole. This is going to impact the match. It feels so much more like watching a basketball game or a football game or or something like that, rather than just being like, oh, let me file away that 10 footer that he missed on on seven on Thursday. He's gonna want that one back. I'll I'll remember all of that as like this big comprehensive, you know, <laughs> like experience with the week. Like obviously nobody does that. So it all just kind of washes over you thursday through saturday and even part of sunday and so it's i think that's why the stuff resonates it's just a matter of of nailing the calculus to try to get the golf course the sponsor the field the tv the fan experience the hospitality all of that stuff like you have to check every single one of those boxes to to try to get something that works and that's just really freaking hard to do i got i got one idea if you if you want to hear it i keep coming back to if you want it to be a full field, 64 person thing, like I, for better or worse, I kind of think what they're doing now makes sense. And it feels a little over-optimized and it feels a little bit like the FedEx cup. And we have just whiteboarded this thing to death. And this is the way that we can make the most people the most happy. And everybody's going to be kind of upset, but nobody's going to be super upset. And so I think if you're doing a full field, it, it probably does have to look like this, but watching golf, especially this morning and watching yesterday and all this stuff, it's like, man, why pie in the sky? If we're redesigning things and and the mules are starting to be put out to pasture on some of these events, we're starting to really like separate and say out loud, this event is bigger than this event. Why does there need to be more than 16 guys at a match play event? Why don't you start with one through 16? And what I was even thinking is like, you just cram that into Saturday and Sunday and just make that like electric all of a sudden that carves out Friday as your, we always talk about like skills competition and, you know, when can you do it where you have like a low stakes day where you have all these people in one place, like do that on Friday, right? So you have Thursday as kind of practice round day, sell tickets, have your hospitality, yada, yada, yada. Friday, you could almost do as like a made for TV event, just like pick your events, whatever you want your skills challenge to be. But you got all 16 guys there, block off the afternoon. Figure out the bracket through that as well. Maybe if you want to. Sure. That'd be great. Mic everything up. Do a whole like big to-do on that. And then Saturday, Sunday, you just have like bangers only matches. And uh, hopefully you have, you know, that seems like it would make it much more likely that you're going to end up with Scotty versus Rory or Scotty versus Rom or Rom versus Max or, you know, one of those, one of those matchups. But I don't know how realistic that is. And that's obviously very uh very pie in the sky and ignorant of many, many factors. I think but that's what I would do.
0: I think though, like where where I'm kind of, I haven't been overly worked up about this event going away until this week, because no matter how a match play will come back to the PGA tour in some way. I, I refuse to believe that they won't play some kind of weird format uh, mixed in, but losing Austin country club changes everything, right? I mean, Harding park was not nearly as interesting. Dove mountain was not nearly as interesting. Nowhere else they've played. This has it been, as fun to watch as this golf course is. It's weird. It's again, it, it, so in that regard, it's kind of you know, if Austin Country Club doesn't want it anymore, there's all kinds of stories out there of the back and forth with the tour. And, uh, you know, I can just say like there's a small champions event at Timaquana every fall. And again, that not nearly on the scale of all the hospitality you're talking about, Neil, that's out there on the back nine. It's a war zone at that go- at our golf course for like six weeks leading up to it. And this is way smaller of a footprint. Like, it's not just about giving up your golf course for a week. It's about the week before. It's about the six weeks to eight weeks before of bang, 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 beep, 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 beep. Storing all the materials out there, trucks coming in and out, and just like making a whole dent in the playing experience for months leading up to it and afterwards. So if there's a club that has a, this club has a 15 year wait list we've heard and the people that are members want to play the golf course and don't want the event there like that, that makes sense to me. It does. That's again, where I end up down the path of like, what is pro golf? What is this all about? Right. And that's how we end up going to the venues they end up going to. And the ones that are the most interesting usually didn't don't end up sticking around. And that's just an unfortunate reality of pro golf that I think, we screamed about like six years ago and the more farther along we're just kind of beaten down with the reality of what it all is yeah i mean a couple of things on the golf
3: course it seeing it in person was awesome um it's you know, this front nine's a little scruffy not quite as interesting but you don't see a lot of that on tv there's still some good holes i think number two is an awesome hole um a few run together but uh eight and nine are pretty cool with the elevation change and the uh just you know kind of that uh signature i guess rock wall into into ravines which is you know all over the course which is pretty cool i think the par threes really stick out and perfect for match play there's just some hero shots 11 uh is awesome and then 17 i love watching those guys it felt like there was always a you know a big moment on 17 at least the last couple years i've watched it so that's a ton of fun there's something kind of fun about that just being essentially like a gap wedge yes exactly right and you're just like ah it's short but like i kind of just want to see someone hit it close man i I don't really care but with with the pressure on it's great you know it's like yeah close to the pin challenge right here so uh and then it's it's hard to overstate how cool it is when you get like spit out down number 12 down towards the water i mean we saw when we were in person, like at least two boats rolling through that. It's not so much the boats out by thirteen in the river; it's when they come up into this. Like I think there might be a marina up there, but it's just like party boy cinch and these boats are like kind of being quiet, but they're just kind of idling by real slow. And and even today, uh, this morning, you know, Rory had to step off his chip because. Uh, you know, the party boy wasn't moving his uh mastercraft fast enough through the uh, the channel there you know and it's just like such i think it's such a good vibe when you get a very overly serious golf tournament that intersects with just like saturday and sunday on the lake you know it's it's uh it's really unique i think in um on the golf calendar and so i'm a, I'm bummed that's going away but like you said Sally, i mean it's big big membership uh from what we you know heard on site and people struggle to get a tea time only one course with seven eight hundred members uh and then you're going to shut it down
0: and and kind of have all the inconveniences of it so i'm sure if tc was here he would want me to he would want me to ride for the austin country club members as well so that's that's my no, good honor of him
3: uh, they may you know f1 may be leaving town too right and if you think about it, austin's got ut so that obviously that you know like they got all the longhorn sports stuff but if so if f1 leaves there's no pro sports it was like this tournament and f1 it felt like the town kind of rallies around it i'm curious if if those go away you know what kind of fills the gap it's interesting uh in the sports culture of the city um you know if you zoom out it's it's an interesting loss for them god the boats thing is so
1: sick i I, it's the perfect example like i can't think of too many other sports where the power dynamic shifts to where it's just like man the, unfortunately, the crew in that boat right there has the power to completely fuck this up yes. if they want. They have the right of We just gotta hope.
3: The, we just gotta, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we just gotta hope that they every know, man, I I don't. Every time I see know. that, I went to a wedding in uh, Sarasota, um, and it was on the. It was like at the Ritz. This is years ago, and right as they're they're doing the vows and everything, this guy pulls into the marina in a cigarette boat, and just you know, even the thing idling is just like. You know, and all he had to do was just give it a quick vroom. And and he was almost like the father the bride and him were like locking eyes. This guy's like, <laughs> don't you, know, you know, fucking do, it. Tank don't top, do like, it. And he's just like, don't you do it. And the guy's like laughing. He's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I hold the keys to the kingdom here. And I think about that every time I see those boats roll by on 12. I'm like, God, they could just blow this up right now.
0: Probably should mention Sam Burns won the uh, won the golf tournament this week uh, with a six was six and five is that right six and five final round uh, final victory over Cameron Young it's a bummer for Cam Young in that it puts a you know a, really an outrageously good week that he had he and Rory were the ones that if you looked at if you look at the, at the hashtag data were the dudes that actually played the best golf all week and. Uh, as we know, that's not how match play works, and i'm I'm very, very, very cool with that. That's what makes this event very fun. But just it, what we've seen pretty much every year with this thing when you play one hundred and nineteen holes of golf or whatever they ended up playing just a dud final match in terms of total fatigue by the end of it. But uh, thought it was, we had a I, I had it on the calendar. I forget if we actually talked about it. I had the players somebody had submitted a question, I'm like, what's wrong with Sam Burns? And it was like iron play had gotten very, very, very bad uh, very quickly. And ever since then, he has completely turned around. He told a story about his coach, Brad Pullen, drove 15 hours uh, to – I forget which event it was in Florida to deal with him when he was – he said he was being a pain, in, a pain in the butt, I believe was the, the kind term he used. And uh, he credited him for the win, for getting him sorted and working out his backswing and whatever uh, technical thing they had to work out. But, uh, man, he has flipped the switch and has turned on to – like the gas pedal, Sam Burns that we see in golf tournaments where he's in contention because he wins a lot of these, and Cameron Young does not, which we can also talk about. But uh, very, very impressed with the fast turnaround for Sam Burns. Whoever's tailing my DraftKings picks, just shift him two weeks, man, because I,
1: I they're spectacular failures in the moment. But I'm, that's a page out of TC's early. playbook of like, oh yeah, I've missed every
0: pick, but man, we're close. Gosh, we're close. We're so close. A lot of
1: foul tips. Uh, but I, I love watching burns i mean i I, would i rather of course would i rather watch rory versus scheffler yes but i love watching burns win i mean i know that's obvious but he's it's so fun seeing him put the pedal down and seeing him like be a dominant force and it's really good to see him playing well again he kind of maybe a weird comp but he kind of almost reminds me of like what what i think everybody always hopes xander is going to be right is like no he's just a dude that when he gets up there he he dominates and he doesn't doesn't go backwards and he just knows how to get it done cody vociferously shaking his head there thank you cody you've been saying that for a while hell yes
2: yes 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 (laughs) could not agree with that take anymore man he's everything that we think xander should be that, that like he aspires to be and it's just never there and for some reason sam burns like he can he just rips throats out when he gets the chance and then when he doesn't he's just gone
0: yeah, that's true. I'm, gonna, it, I'm it, gonna put a hand up here on just like I'm gonna need to see sure. just a, just a little bit more from Burns before we before we say he's, he's more. we want Xander to be. Xander's won seven PJ Tour events. He's won a tour championship. Uh, he won three times last year. Spr- sprinkle the Olympics in there. He won Go a ahead. gold medal in there. He's been in contention <laughs> way more in the major way more in the majors. Uh, How many wins is this now for Burns? This is five, five for Burns. How much younger is he? Xander? Uh, Xander is 29 years old, and Burns is 26.
2: Way,
1: so, way, I way more def- wins. I think. I the, mean, it is. Just- I think the prosecution is going to be feel just fine about
3: this. I, I mean, well, I would agree that they have they both have very all around games. It's just you feel like it. Xander has a um uh, maybe he's getting rid of this a little bit, but feels like he doesn't get it done in in you know big moments. He's been he in had- more big moments, but it seems like he's got more. uh more times where he's come up short, where I don't feel like Burns comes up short. He's he's either not around or he's just like, Oh, I'm gonna take this. Well,
2: he t- he that's, he'll fucking eject just like my good friend Icarito. He's like, Oh yeah, okay. So.
0: <laughs> and that's where like that's where golf fans can tend to punish a guy that's around the lead a lot and not win and not and that's fair. It, it's, it's better to be around and yes. also win than it is to just win and not be around. So I'm just gonna I'm not a huge Xander stand. I'm just saying he had four wins by the age of twenty-five as well. And has went through a spell there where he did not win a lot between 2019 and then won the Zurich, which was kind of like, all right, dude, uh, that does that's a team event that doesn't really count. And you won with Cantley, that really doesn't count. But won the Travelers last year, won the Scottish Open. I'm just saying, come on, let's, let's just not get let's not get carried away. Heat check, just I'm just heat checking you. That's all I'm doing.
1: Yeah. I think you're making my case for me. It sounds like very similar careers. I think I think Sam Burns has a chance to go contend in a couple majors. You know, maybe win another couple BDES.
0: This year, and uh, I think he's gonna be right whip there. whip it up to
2: Zurich, like we're we're totally, totally fine, that's right, man.
0: Ten major championships. Sam Burns is competing. Uh, how many? It's yeah. not good. How many top tens? Listen, it's, it's okay. not good. I'd say one zero. How many top twenty fives? Yeah. We got time. We one. got one t twenty last year at the PGA. So okay, okay. yeah, that's not great. Penalty flag that's thrown. Challenge flag thrown. Do you want to withdraw the Xander comment? I'll allow no. it if you if you'll. No, we'll let the people be the judge. Okay. <laughs> I, I do
3: a couple of things I noticed with Burns though. I, I like I said, I feel like he's got a very. He seems so solid across the board, um, and when he's playing well, it's like he just got doesn't feel like he's got a lot of weaknesses. And I really like his pace of play. Steps up to putts, doesn't take any practice strokes. I feel like he's got a good uh, tempo to to when he's playing well. He's he's got a good rhythm to his game. Uh, so I think that's fun to watch. Uh, you know, would I rather watch you know Scheffler and and Rory? Yes. Uh, I, I do. I find Cam Young more electric than Sam Burns a thousand percent but you know credit to him for getting it done today
0: I just I couldn't help but notice too this finale Sam Burns Cameron Young two dudes that were pretty darn close to going to live at different varying times of the conversation same uh Sam Burns same agent as Bryson DeChambeau uh that I believe that situation got into the nine figures at one point before, you know it's inching towards the goal line in some way and I believe the story is that someone in his family kind of threw up the challenge flag and was like, hey, no, don't do this. Like, we don't want you doing this. And uh, he's turned his, his ba- he's turned back around. Cameron Young got astonishingly close to going to live and has admitted such uh, and has turned back around to say, uh, you know, to play on the PGA Tour. And that's that, again, just seems like a pretty darn big – two big names that would have been missing from this tournament this past week. We already are missing a ton of names. And, uh, again, uh, something that we – what I think what has frustrated a lot of us, at least has frustrated me – it's like the missed opportunities to see these guys in these situations is what has frustrated me with some of the dudes that have gone to live and just glad that, you know, two of the names, the biggest names involved in this weekend had uh, decided not to go. So it's also
1: fun. I mean, this is going to
0: piss off a lot of people who are already pissed off
1: all the time. <laughs> it's which perfect. Is fine. But watching that Scotty Rory match today felt very much like, oh, this is what it would feel like if they went to live. <laughs> just like, I don't know, just on TV. Look at this, man. It's two stars. It's golf. Look at it. It's fucking awesome. You, you, oh, you, you wouldn't watch this. You wouldn't watch this. Like, yeah, it doesn't really mean
3: anything. I'm kind of good. Kind of just want to do the pod. Let's just get it. Let's just yeah. Get it done. I, I kind of wish I just <laughs> finish it
0: off so we could fire this thing up. Yeah. It is. It also goes to show what you can't just like throw golf on TV and with two guys playing and have it necessarily mean something, right? There's just something around. Again, that's not to work this workshop this all the way around but it's kind of like why I have faith in this designated event model going to already established tournaments it just feels like I, I kind of already care about these and I just feel like I'm going to care about them just a little bit more because of the way they've structured it instead of that's why I think the WGC's always struggled with people you know in people's minds is it just seemed propped up and just had kind of out of context and I don't really know what they mean so I legacy not leverage was very laughable at the time, but like there's just a little bit to it. I know they're playing for money, like but there's at least like a, a teeny tiny hint of history and familiarity with these tournaments that does matter in some way. I, I don't know where I saw this idea, if it was in the
1: comments or on Twitter or not, but I think it's a good one. They should make everybody agree at the beginning of the week. Like if you make it in the consolation match, basically like we're going to pay third and fourth place the same. And you guys are going to be mic'd up for that match. Yes. I think would be awesome. I think that would have made today a really, really, really fun broadcast if if those two were mic'd up and kind of, it's just like, I did, honestly don't care if it's even like a serious match. Like just teach me some stuff and crack a couple jokes. And and I, I kind of just want to like, I would much rather get deep into your process rather than like, oh, Rory beat him today. That means Rory's a far, you know, superior player to Scotty Scheffler. It's like, these guys are,
0: exhausted send them to, to the back nine one round of Let him play the back yeah. nine like nine hole yeah. consolation match it does not need to be 18 holes and I know exactly you know again the same reasons like you're trying to get hospitality everywhere and and you know you're trying to stretch it trying to stretch it out trying to vamp a little bit I think Damon Hack was told was they were in Damon Hacks ear, like hey you got to vamp man I know this match is over but we gotta stretch this internet this interview out like we gotta you know come on extend it extend it god that was an elect it was an electric uh post round. For me, I mean I am just gonna say it right
3: here. I didn't know that Governor Greg Abbott was in a wheelchair. I had no clue. So that kind of freaking rocked my world. And then Michael Dell seemed like he was <laughs> I don't know if he was not ready. He was like, Oh, this ended quicker. But he was uh uh he seemed like he might have been out on one of those boats before he, he got <laughs> up
0: there to Never go full Diane Murphy. <laughs>
3: It was, yeah, Vic just like, man, this is, this is, uh, this is wild, hey man, man. Yeah, this last one, cool. uh, but Sam, hey, that's cool. That's, that's great, man. Why don't you step on up here? So that was, that was a good trophy ceremony for me.
0: It was kind of like Xander after the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. He's like, he's just got this shit-eating grin sitting up there on the stage. He's got a cigar. He's drinking out, like straight out of a wine bottle. And somebody asked him a question. He just can't get the smile off his face. He's just like. I'll be totally honest. I did not know we still had media. <laughs> I, think we had, I think he got pr- pretty sloshed pretty quickly. He's like, I did not know I was going to have to stand up here and uh, answer some questions. Um, this episode is, of course, brought to you by our friends at Titleist and the Tour Trusted Titleist TSR Drivers. Titleist, of course, the most played driver on the PGA Tour for the last four seasons and counting this week was, of course, no different. More players gaming Titleist drivers at both the Match Play and the Punta Cana than any other brand. There's a greater speed hiding in your swing, and TSR provides the means to it. It could be spin control, launch angle, or impact point. A Titleist fitter is going to match you with a configuration that lets you max out more consistently and produce faster ball speed that actually shows up on the course. I can attest to this. They fixed me in three swings. They have the TSR-1, the TSR-2, TSR-3, and TSR-4. They offer four distinct performance options for a variety of players. Neil, the speed man, what did you get fit into? I'm in a
3: TSR-3 um with a slight bit of uh i think draw bias and i think it's tuned up a degree to get my launch angle up i'm no longer playing with the 80 gram shaft that was uh a bit of a band-aid i had on the uh the the previous driver so we're you know what we played like four or five rounds Cody and i got a couple of great rounds down in uh in austin while we were in town uh we're we're rounding into form you know we got we still got a some things to, to figure out I Need need some more practice sessions with the with the sticks but I like the TSR three Deeds what'd you end up in
1: uh I'm in the TSR two just a little little more forgiveness uh you know not quite as, as much of a speed freak as the boys uh and I think I'm my hosel I think is set to B2 which of course I know what that means but yeah. you guys should look okay, it up yeah, yeah. uh on, on your own time but yeah same thing just hitting, hitting it great great range session this week before a surprise eight inches of snow uh, which was a, a real bummer, but uh, seeing good things from the driver, so that's exciting.
0: Where I was hoping we would go uh, at some point about you know you, you made the you guys made the very bad of course Sam Burns Xander Comp, <laughs> but like Scotty Scheffler being the I said they're similar I didn't say he's better said, than him, you said better. I said he's you said, he's trending you said he's, he's 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 way better than him at, at every stop. Um, Scotty Scheffler is. The blank, like you could fill in how many different American guys we thought were going to be a certain guy that Scotty Scheffler is. And I, I, I you know, he lost both his matches today. I, I don't put a lot of stock into that to say like he powered his way through into the final four yet again. He was a pick, a popular pick in our DraftKings. And I regret nothing, of course, this, when it comes to this week, but kind of still, I know Morikawa's got the two majors to him, but kind of who we thought Morikawa, hoped Morikawa would be, hoped maybe Xander would be, hoped Cantley would be, like, Scotty Scheffler is that dude. And uh, I will, I mean, I know he's third favorite right now for the Masters at plus 750. And I don't really understand that because I might just put all of my nuggets on him. Has, has he
1: won one before? I'm he's, trying to remember. He's
0: going to be like Speed pretty soon. He's going to have won like five of them in our minds, I'm pretty sure.
1: That's crazy that he would be third favorite right now. Not financial advice, but I would maybe give that a little look see. Neil, maybe this is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because I, I feel like we've kind of set it at these different checkpoints of the year. Like the the more he plays well, the more interesting he gets, the more he cements himself as the dude, the more I tune in to watch him. And Neil, I think you were on this block uh, at the Players just talking about how much fun you had watching, uh, watching Scotty. I felt totally the same way this week. And I feel like the footwork is starting to almost... You know almost become like a little bit iconic right it's almost become like a signature of like oh that almost like this is not nearly to this level but like tiger's got his little mannerisms that you remember arnie's got his like you know steering the thing after jack's got his things rory's even got his things when he's he's bouncing and whatever and just seeing scotty's footwork i'm like oh that's that's his thing and he's the guy that's it's starting to take shape in my mind a little bit i I had a blast watching him
3: yeah and that's why it was so shocking when he missed that five footer in the, in the playoff, yeah. because like what, what, what he did with JT Poston was just like, Oh my God, this guy's the Terminator. Like he just never goes away. And then at the end, he just steals a match. Right. It's just, he,
1: Well, he, how about when he, he gets down three to, was he three down through three to Burns? Yes. Yeah. this morning? It's like, Oh, that's fine. It doesn't matter. No, he's he's going to come gone. back. And
2: win.
3: <laughs> yeah, and and I get in some in some ways like I hear the argument of like oh he's boring right, but it's like I think that's why some of the reason he's so
0: good he's just in he's in control, and I think we got to steer into that. I think it's got to be like oh, I was talking about that with somebody this weekend about you know he's just. He's what he thinks is really interesting is just not. He's like, like, what are you going to do tonight? I don't know. We're gonna. It might get kind of crazy. We might cook fajitas tonight. Like it might get, (laughs) like they might get, they might get really spicy tonight. Like we might add a little salt to them. It really, it really gives it a kick. Like I, I don't know. Just. I don't know if things get a little out of hand. I don't know if I we'll have time, but like maybe some chocolate ice cream for dessert. I don't know. I, I have no promises. Of course, no promises yeah. here, guys. But that's where I think we got to take this thing because if you listen, that's kind of he gets really excited about these little things that aren't crazy interesting at all. But I think we have to steer into it and make that uh, a fun bit for the rest of the year. Yeah. Or it's like, yeah, you know, I, I love coffee. I just
3: I don't drink it when I when I before rounds, so You know, I don't need well, to get, I don't need to get crazy interesting about Scotty Scheffler. He loves coffee. He doesn't drink it before the round. Yeah. So. But on the course, I mean he's a bona fide killer and and just can't especially in this format. I I have a ton of respect for guys that just know how to battle and match play, like TC style, right? Just never go away. They never seem to get down on themselves and and he is firmly in that bucket. This is third time he's played in this event. He's runner up, won it, and now, you know, top four. I mean, that's a pretty good, pretty good track record with this
0: event going away it didn't seem like he had it all working on the greens this week. There was it, something was uncomfortable. I don't know what the numbers say. For once, I'm going to go with the eye test on Scotty Scheffler uh, on this one. Just say that I mean, he still hits the shit out of the ball, but like he just wasn't quite dialed in on the greens.
1: I also to take absolutely nothing away from him. He's obviously been a stud at, at every level possible. But I think whenever we can, I think you got to shout out Ted Scott, too. For sure. And I just keep thinking about it like, man, amazingly creative golf course the guy that's been successful with possibly the most creative player in the history of golf like those two just seem to work they seem to gel so freaking well together yeah. which is again where i'm like third favor for augusta like yeah go ahead man have, have fun with that like he's he's probably gonna well, win and again
3: it's great to see like with cam young and paul to yeah. like yeah I, I i like seeing caddies almost get the 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 evidence and First, the evidence of like, oh, man, they were met, you were kind of having a huge impact. And then the credit for, you know, being so uh, important, you know, and like helping a guy break through. So, I mean, first week on the bag with Cam Young, it's like it Cam Young. Different. About,
0: it looked a little got, different, too. Got a little
3: offer. Kind of a tough start to the year. A little slow start. Yeah. Uh, doesn't, it doesn't seems to be speeding up uh, as we How enter about, major season. First nine on the bag shoots 27.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I will say, exactly. is that good or? No? And Paul's a friend of mine. I've gotten to uh, play a lot of golf with with Paul. I will say, like. I don't, I, they had a PJ Tour posted a clip of, of like them talking after the match and Paul's like, see, that is why we had to talk through the shot because we could have easily made a mistake if we didn't talk all the way through that. Paul can talk. My man can talk and I do, I, I just keep an eye on those personalities. I wonder how well that will clash. It's just, that's a, a uh, just an observation of Paul, Paul is going to be in his ear and it might work out really, really, really well for Cam and I'm excited for him if that is the case. I was going to say this,
1: I mean, as usual on the show, unnecessary psychoanalysis, but like Cam Young from a distance just seems like a guy like that, that information is clearly processing somewhere. Yeah. Right. And so if it's all just like spinning in his own head, maybe it totally helps to have somebody there to just verbalize all that stuff and to almost do like the talking for him and kind of drop the playbook. And it seems like, uh, again, I don't know Ted Scott at all, but like he seems very extroverted, very let's talk it out. Scotty doesn't. Right, and maybe that's I don't know. Maybe there's something similar about
0: those those dynamics. If a caddy can save you a half a shot around, or even a shot a tournament, that is so freaking valuable. It really, really, really is. And um, it's Cam's putting has not been very good, but man, his iron play to start this year and ball striking to start this year has been outrageous. He has taken a huge, huge leap, and I they they flashed a stat of this was only like his 37th PGA Tour start, which to me feels like we're in the seventies. Like it felt like it feels like yeah. with Scotty. Has he won yet? Yeah. He doing? It feels like with Scott is either, either his sixth or seventh runner up on the PGA tour already. Um, which is just like, he is, uh, it's this his eighth top three finish in his first under 40 starts on the PGA tour. And that includes a T three, I think at the PGA he finished second, uh, at the open championship at the old course. But like, it's kind of, you know, we're not quite in a female situation though, of like, dude, the ball striking is going to put him in contention so much He's got to have hot weeks with the putter. Like he can't be a Hideki with the putter. He, he won't be for the for his whole career. Everybody gets hot rounds with the putter, but like he's going to be around a lot, and he's got to. That's what's going to make the difference for him. As much as I am like ball striking is king thing, dude. It's like the best putters have the best ball strikers win golf tournaments, and it will happen for him. It's going to come in droves. But uh, I, I'm ready for it to happen. I would say it, it, his putting. It,
3: it yeah, the stats don't look as good, but he burns so many lips. Like yeah. he. It look the the ball looks great coming off his putter. You know, unlike maybe Zalatoris or some other people, where it's like, eh, what what do we do? We're 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 kind of searching for the stroke. I don't feel like his stroke has any any issues. Um, And just to state the obvious, I do not get sick of watching him hit the driver. It's I awesome, mean, touching 192 ball speed, like like routine. I mean, he like load the way he pauses and just loads the catapult, and then the most amazing thing to me is the balance. He always finishes just, like, perfectly balanced. It's like he was taking a practice swing. It's it's an incredible move on the golf ball.
0: His shot against Rory in the 16th hole this morning, that draw up the hill with I don't know what iron it was, and to hold that green into that left pin was just, like... Oh, I, I shuddered. Like it's just freaking awesome. I need to go watch that guy play more golf in person. He was that was one of the biggest takeaways I had. At the players we talked about it then. It just watching that guy smash it in person is just a little different than a lot of the dudes out there. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch that guy play a lot of golf for Team USA in, in the future years. Some guys you watch and you're just like, oh man, that it doesn't look
3: super special, but it's you know it gets the job done. He's just like overwhelming me with talent. Like, oh my god, yes. that's just like. I can't do that. You know what I mean? It's like how I feel when I watch the NBA. You know, it's it's a little less like attainable. We're like, "God, how do you how do you do that, man? That's crazy." That was such a good shot he hit on 12
1: into the uh was that in the playoff against Rory? Right to that the other one to the back pin. That I think Faxon I think was right was like, "Oh, Rory, like he's chipping out of the bunker here. Rory just, you know, if he makes four, he's probably going to move on." yep And I, he had like a mid iron long iron into that green and just floated to that back shelf and Drain set it. himself up for that 12 footer, or 10 footer, whatever it was. And it's just like, Jesus, man, we, we got to linger on how good that shot was that he just hit in there. And
0: he did make some clutch putts along the way too, clutch birdie yeah. on 18 to force the playoff. And, uh, you know, he, he, there were some glimpses of, of good putting. I wonder if Fame point might, uh, might help him out. Uh, that's a joke. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. Max got a little bit involved in that, but what other highlights from, from this past week? I, I could go through results, but that's available on, you know, in honor of TC, we could go through down the leaderboard, but I think, uh, you know, that's all easy. I to would say a condition. shout out to an, another
3: guy that's done really well, and that's play. Jason Day seems to continue to trend in the right direction. It, shout out to Kucher for making it to the to the bracket play, but Jay Day takes down Kucher. you know, continues to put up great results this year after to turning into the invisible man for five years before that. Um, so that, that'd be one I call out. I, I think... One thing i'd like to call is like yes saturday the putt that rory made on 18 to beat xander was like the perfect finish to an awesome day of watching golf like him sinking that 13 footer xander played awesome it was a great match the whole day and just you know it's kind of like rory just yeah this is why rory's rory like he just just finished him off and it was uh i thought that match was a ton of fun to watch and credit to xander for you know taking him down to the
0: wire a lot of people in the comments asking for a Willie Z comment. He had a, a tough week, losing his first two matches and then withdrew. Um, had a listen. Uh, you can you know insert this audio into pretty much every post round. Had a very ugly looking short putt miss uh, with a stroke that I think went about eight different directions. Um, looked like he was signing. You may need to apologize for that. For thinking that he had found long
1: term <laughs> sustainability with the uh, you know shoving them off the toe right into figure the eight of move.
3: The hole yeah uh, will you apologize Other guy that, withdrew, sure. hideki. I'll take that one. <laughs> uh hideki withdrew i'm down at the courtyard marriott getting coffee and uh, up pulls the lexus and out i think like eight guys got out of the car and and hideki got out and you know i was like what's he doing here like and didn't know he'd he'd withdrawn so sounds like his back's bugging him now not just his neck so hopefully he's you know, gets, gets tuned my, up. My neck, my back situation. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> hopefully the next two things don't. it
0: gets checked out uh, for the rest. <laughs> Any farther down that stanza. <laughs> Scotty had a, you really only get a few of these a year. The true, like, Sound around a green of the oh, the shot he hit in the quarterfinals to clinch his match, uh, over Jason Day to win two and one. He hit it to like legitimately three inches on 17, and it just gave the crowd that actual roar of a shot that gets stuffed in there. And that was a really freaking cool moment.
3: Oh, and I, I do want to clarify you had it in the notes that Jay Day that maybe the uh, vertigo was back. We got word there wasn't vertigo's was allergies and uh cody can attest to this uh cody was getting rocked by allergies all week so i think that's that was legit cody how are we feeling now
2: i'm great cleaned up just pounded zyrtec benadryl allegra in the last two days but yeah i was feeling it right there with J day it was tough man the Paul, like you know in uh so in texas they have all these things called blue bonnets they like grow on the side of the road and everything beautiful purple, purple flower i know this isn't a flower podcast but hey you got to shout them out but it is the pollen is so bad right now that like any little wind, you just see it it's it's literally just raining pollen everywhere. You wipe your face at the end of the day. it was bad. So I hear it with j day man. it was it was rough. I was like snicking, putting tissues and everything, just a little leaky boy. I kind of
1: I don't think I would have felt this way even like a couple months ago, definitely not a couple years ago, but, if J day goes out and wins a masters, I think I would, I would feel some pretty positive emotion towards that these days. I think I, think I, I, would, I would too. super. I know we've said it a couple times now, but I'm just very, very impressed at anybody who who kind of has it fall apart a little bit and is able to put it back together and, and figure it out. And it really, really seems like he's uh, doing that and not go to live. He's <laughs> go to live. Uh, but he's also, I mean, you know, we're going to talk about some of these old WGCs and, and some of this stuff and, like there's not that many runs you can compare like what Scheffler's doing right now, what ROM's doing right now, but J day kind of did that in 2015 yep, and yep. many, many, many people forget just how fucking good he was for that stretch. And he probably didn't get as much out of it. Major wise uh certainly he would have liked. And he's always played so freaking well at Augusta that that would not shock me if he, if he goes out and wins one, be super, super interesting um,
0: shot of the tournament. I think maybe the shot of the year, uh, Rory on, uh, Thursday pulls up to his match against Denny McCarthy to the 18th green. He's one up 379 yards, uh, and drives it to four feet. Uh, I believe he gained 1.71 strokes in one swing. I don't know if I've ever seen a swing gain that much. Uh, I'm sure the albatrosses and stuff like that gain, gain more than that, but crazy. truly one of the most outrageous golf shots I've ever seen. Uh, I, I was texting with him a little bit afterwards. I believe he officially stated he set the distance debate back another 20 years, uh, because it reignited a lot of bad distance takes, but, uh, wanted did at least get a shout out for that shot? Cause that was a true thrill, which we know could never happen if they roll the ball back a little bit and move the T's up. It just can't DG, happen. So. true. DG. He hit, uh, Danny McCartney
3: with the, uh, the Jack Ruby ball in Texas. Just, <laughs> just knocked, knocked him out. Oh, did not see that coming. <laughs> where did that guy come from EJ uh DJ thinks Denny McCarthy looks like uh Lee Harvey Lee Harvey, Harvey, Oswald. Lee Harvey. <laughs> yeah
1: that was a great take from somebody on Twitter that just crushed me uh Jack Ruby ball uh <laughs> God, that's so stupid. Did Rory apologize in, in those texts to to Big Shot Bob McCarthy? There's a lot of Big Shot Bob erasure. McIntyre, I on. believe. Speaking of
0: erasure, yeah, Big Shot Bob McIntyre. called McCarthy. Yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> Denny McCarthy on the brain. Uh, yeah, Bob McIntyre did drive the 18th green as well last year to win a match, I believe. Um, I think maybe two years ago. Yeah, it has happened before, but... Um, Of course, it, you know, set off a bunch of a bunch of really bad faith takes on uh, on distance and all this stuff and not all the things we need to rehash other than to say it would be extremely possible to do that from a farther up T with rolled back equipment and all of the reasons why a rollback might be a good idea probably is a good idea for the opinion of a lot of people on this show. Still the same, still, still the same sustainability issues, still an issue of which skills are being tested you the, the balance of that still an issue of golf courses becoming obsolete, still an issue of expanding every golf course is not an option. I kind of just thought about this a lot this week. I just wanted to defend it. Like the party's not over. All right. It's just like, nobody is saying you can't party. All right. The long ball is still going to rule. There's going to be a lot of them. It's just like we're going to need you to have it like wrapped up by 4 a.m. Like that's what this kind of rule is, right? And Rory driving one 375 at 5 a.m. doesn't mean that the party's canceled. I promise you. Uh, so just I just want everyone to keep their cool when this happens. We know the same bad faith people are going to say the same things and try to, you know, just muddy the waters of the conversation. I just want to say the party's not canceled. Just please be respective of the neighborhood. There's a lot. People got to get up and go to work. And, you know, it's, you guys are up way too late.
1: I, if I may build on that uh, bulletproof analogy, I would say uh, what you really don't want is you just can't have a hundred people at the party at 5am. Right. Like when Rory's the only guy doing it and he, and he's doing it at 1am, like that's still just as cool, right? When you have a hundred people at 5am, it's like, all right, well, now everybody's hit it there. That's, that's not, not great. What's, what's so cool about the Rory shot. And it was probably the coolest shot of the year is the fact that he was the only guy that could do it. Yeah. Like that's all this is, is relativity and Setting it and finding the line where the tippy top guys can do it and the other guys can't. It doesn't matter if it's 385 or 335 or 417 or what the number is, is so arbitrary. It just matters where the line is. Also, you can see behind me, it's snowing again. I, I just caught that reflection. That's great for my golf. Game. I will I, say Well, that's a
0: funny we, analogy of because it kind of feels a little bit to me like uh, it's snowing outside. Climate change can't be real kind of way of looking true. at this could you use it
3: really could use a bit of that climate change <laughs> right now, as you can see. <laughs> Would love for that to kick in. Uh, One thing, though, just on Rory's driving specifically, when Cody and I were following him, he had the left miss and played like badly. He and Stallings were just kind of a dumpy round for a while. And then I think 13T, he hit one like, I don't know, to 15, 20 feet, like right over the flag. Uh, he was getting—he was also getting like blown up by a Blackhawk helicopter that was like circling like down the river. And so a lot going on and he just, I feel like I heard this like guttural, you know, found it coming from Rory. Because I, I feel like he didn't miss a drive after that for you know, like, the rest of the tournament. So
0: he looked like he was trying not to take too much energy out of himself this whole week. It was kind of like, you know, muted fist pumps. Like I, I kind of care, but I'm, I'm not like totally invested in this tournament.
1: Quick circle back, but we didn't really touch on this with Sam Burns either that like the the wheels very much fell off during that that match with Scotty this morning. And that's what's so cool about match play, I think is like, nobody's gonna play perfect golf for 125 straight holes. But it's it's fine, like having those ebbs and flows and making sure you don't lose it. And you can you can keep it on the tracks and still just get the job done at the end of the day is, is super impressive. And that was that was awesome to see from Burns, even if I was hoping for Scotty to win was like, you Know that made the turn, and Scotty had won what five holes in a row or something. It's like, oh, this is over, and to be able to not back down against like the literal number one player in the world is uh, even if and I'm told
0: they're friends as well. Uh, so maybe that's I helped, heard that but, I heard that they were good yeah. friends, heard that too. Um, I will say also, uh, Neil, the revenge of the TIO, um, the 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 TIO oh. fought back oh, with good. Tom Kim, I mean, yeah, air mailed 13 green, and it reflected back into. And he had he had to take a drop on the green and putt for birdie. I mean, the TIO really struck back on this one. And <laughs> listen, my, my thoughts on TIO have been well documented.
3: We I won't I won't uh, filibuster up here on it just now. But this is kind of the home of TIO, the the arena. Down the thirteenth hole is the original. Is the people gun. abusing TIO, knowing that they can backboard? This is this has been a uh, an epicenter of that. Which I, I didn't see a ton of it this year, but it's been an issue in the past.
2: So I watched Roy on the weekend at the players. It was the worst driving I've ever seen. Obviously, well-documented, put a new shaft in play. He looked completely freed up. I understand he had a little bit of the lefts going on, but it, it looks so damn good. And I think we also probably need to talk about the putter because it, it, it like started out kind of slow, and I know it's kind of questionable there, but as the week going on and the, the match after match after match, he was just on fire.
0: Looked really good. I was kind of like, I think we were kind of joking in the in the DraftKings picks, like fade Rory, like too much driver stuff and a new putter, like too much tinkering going on before Augusta. He looked way more comfortable with both of those clubs than I would have thought uh, he would have this week. But I know this is a weird week to try to exacerbate out to what works at Augusta, but man, it's just good to kind of see him holding some stuff in the middle and not looking very confused on the greens. It feels like Scotty
1: Cameron and Bob Vokey might need to do a come-to-death row for, uh, for Rory. <laughs> for Rory.
0: Uh, not you know wedge problems need to go away you can't butter, editorialize butter these co- these are good. editorialized <laughs> these are paid for comments you can't you, we can't live on that block that we're, we're paid Come for the death that row one. we are paid for <laughs> on that one we've we've documented how much we're going to miss the match play but i thought we we I gave a little homework assignment to the guys we're going to go around the horn a little bit and share i don't i had way too much fun doing this uh on saturday go around the horn and, and list off some of our favorite moments from wgc's who wants to go first well I can go first Uh, I just wanted to eulogize the logo
3: so Cody if you can pop up the logo this looks like 1999 clip art that they never changed um the the world golf championship logo like I you know I I know that logo I feel like it's been burned into my mind and I just I laugh because it's really bad but it's been around so long that it's almost like nostalgic and they just they've never changed it it's just always been like this logo and it, it looks like it came from clip art you know when you know they started them in 1999 and it looks like that's when this logo's from so it's a bummer that we won't see it anymore i'm gonna say you know no offense
1: to anyone but i'm gonna say bad trophies too like oh, the clay I pot like them. i kind of like the colors trophies yeah,
3: i'm just i'm I, I don't think they're gonna age well but that's that's a personal i never thing. knew that the trophies were named after like walter Hagen and yeah because he won
1: so many wgcs
3: that's what i mean i was like whoa i didn't <laughs> know that they named him and gary player has one of them named after him it's kind of, of bizarre Speaking there's some, of confusing, There's some
0: WGC trivia that, that I didn't know about. The Wikipedia page for WGCs is so confusing. Like, there's a championship, and then there's a yes, champions, yeah. and the invitational. I truly couldn't keep track of which event was what. It's almost like this. I think they rolled the World Cup up for a yeah, while. Yeah, it's almost there. like it they had an identity problem.
3: Yeah. Uh, world Cup yeah. <laughs> thing for a while. And then they were supposed to be all over the world, and then Fincham got a ton of heat because they were just in America. <laughs> and then they moved it to Mexico, and they did the HSBC. Oh. So it's just been a. It's kind of been, um, I don't know. It feels like a bunch of consultants came up with this uh, long back in the '90s, maybe to I don't know, fight off a Greg Norman's world tour, and uh, it, it was um, a lot of things bolted together.
1: And that, that's where I'll to be to be fair and balanced, and to make sure we're still getting paid by the PJ Tour, I will say <laughs> that you you can you can pick nits with the execution, but I think the concept was. In the right place and granted it was you know 25 years kind of ahead of its time or or but we're, we're there's a lot of reasons why i think the designated events are not wgcs but it's ob- obviously there's a lot of similarities and I, it was clear the problems that they were trying to hedge off i just think the execution much like the fedex cup much like many other things that the tour tries to do uh probably fell a little
3: flat but i i see where they're coming from we're coming what from. else you got now um what else do I have I think the shot I probably think about monthly uh is uh this is from the WGC Mexico was Tiger's massive cut nine iron from oh, the fairway God. bunker I think this was in 2017 something like that I can't remember what year no was it, it
0: was earlier than that it's more recent than that, than that. More recent than that yeah. I think later than that more recently yeah, it was like yeah but I just I was 19, watching 19, this
3: shot live and I think about it all the time he hit a cut around this massive tree hit the left side of the green and it, with all the spin he had on the ball, it rolled like 40 feet to, I don't know. He had like a five footer. Um, And that, you know, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, That was just a, like, that was awesome. So I, I wanted to, uh, wanted to call that out? I think obviously maybe maybe one of the preeminent pro tracer moments
1: in, in tour history as well. Yes, it uh, was so just- perfect for what was like yeah. how broken it-
0: that golf course was yeah. too. Like you- yeah. it's a like a, a architecture rule of like you don't put a tree directly behind a bunker like that. The bunker is the hazard. And he had to hit a bunker shot around a tree in at altitude when the ball doesn't curve as much. And of course the cat did it. It was such a sick shot. I think more recently I, I don't have a picture of this one. I'm, you guys probably have it on your list, but DJ waving
3: to the boat party. Uh, of course from 13 T was that's good stuff. And then one of my it's, favorites it's, is uh, it's
0: DJ not waving to the boat party. That's what made the picture so famous was like, he was just like, Oh yeah, I'm not, I don't care about any of this. Uh, you think I've never been on a boat party yeah. before, man. Come
3: on. <laughs> so I butchered that one. My apologies. And then I have a couple that. I don't want to steal you guys' thunder, but the last one I'll do is Rory chucking his club into the lake at the blue monster, <laughs> uh, that. which <laughs> is right. Like that was the best man. I mean, he, and then the scuba diver goes out and like gets it for him. You know, and then and I then think Trump, like Trump presented like, delivered it, delivered it to him <laughs> yeah. in a cart. Like it was so stupid, but I <laughs> love a good. You know, if you're gonna throw the club, throw the club, and he he got his money's worth with that club throw. So I wanted to call that one out. Uh, the other he's thing got it, realize... he's got like
0: a Hogan like position going the the, the skipping the yeah, stone move good. going with that throw. Yeah. I, I think he found it right after that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and then I was just looking up the the results and stuff. I didn't realize Jeff Ogilvie was such a match play killer. Won the oh, event yeah. twice, runner-up once. So I thought that was interesting from some of my research. Um, but I'll, famously, I'll turn it over to
0: he, you, Dej. Well, I'll say famously, at one point Tiger had uh, 18 WGC titles, and Ogilvy was second with three for like a yeah. very long time until DJ busted through and finally got to six. Yeah, and DJ's the only got to win all four of the events.
3: I guess, How about that, yeah, Tiger never won all four. I don't think he played in the the uh, what about China? The, the what about China? Yeah, the what about China the Invitational? <laughs>
1: uh well thank you neil that was that was great i uh god i forgot about the club throw that was that was awesome uh i don't have a great frame of reference Sally. i'm sure some of your moments are going to be from kind of the older ones i i obviously remember the tiger in the dark at firestone uh one which we can talk about the steven ames one so I'll, I'll leave that one to you uh i think it all kind of stops and starts with me on the patrick reed top five player in the world moment at Doral uh was was just an all-timer I guess you know I in my mind I'm one of the top five players in the world again I've said this before on this podcast I don't have a lot of issue with what he said I I I don't think he was saying like the world rankings are rigged and they're not reflecting my talent I think he's just saying like yeah in my mind I'm one of the five best players around and if you're if you're him trying to become the number one player in the world how do you not
0: say that about yourself? Which so like also, anybody who's not saying that is in, not telling the truth. In hindsight, also not one of the more outrageous things he said. Like not even <laughs> just close. At the time, it was, but not yes. after looking back, it's like, oh man, that does that barely even registers. I had a lot of just really random ones. I was fortunate
1: starting in like 2012, 2013. I went to a ton of these events, so I spent a ton of time in Akron. I spent a ton of time in. The various places the match play was I sp- unfortunately spent a lot of time at doral which was not my favorite place but uh i, I really liked th- there was one rory popped into the media center one time i remember to watch a boxing match yeah, that was in like san francisco, with- in san francisco. Yeah. i think it was like maybe a mayweather fight or something uh that he like did his press conference and then everybody's sitting around watching this this boxing match that was really fun uh i remember i had a soapbox derby race against uh billy horschel one time (laughs) because i guess that's akron is where they have the uh soapbox derby championships uh something like that so that was uh that was a really good time and i think probably my favorite again i'm sure this is on your list sally but the victor dubus jason day uh match so i was there it was that was what 2014 so i was doing like live play-by-play stuff on the uh The tour Twitter account and everything was, it was really, really fun day to be doing like live Twitter stuff because I was going around and like, he hit this, you know, he'd hit it in the shit and I would be like right there to run up with my cell phone, take a photo of the lie, tweet it before he got up to the ball. So everybody could kind of see like what was coming and what was going on and, and all that stuff. It was like really, really fun. And I got so, uh, like into it that I set my phone down and lost it, like got up and left and we like moved on to the next playoff hole and i totally forgot about it until like the next shot i realized i didn't have my phone i didn't remember where i left it i remembered that i i weirdly like i don't know if i had a passcode on it i don't know if that's possible but i feel like those old iphones were just like slide to open yeah and i was like oh my oh my god like like somebody whoever finds that, is just gonna open it like twitter's open it's the last (laughs) app i was using like somebody's just gonna like run wild on the pj tour twitter account and i i will now be fired and So in the meantime, I'm trying to, like, keep things going. So I had to, like, borrow somebody else's phone and log into the Twitter account. And I'm still following all this stuff. And to make a long story kind of long, uh, Jason Day ends up winning after all these incredible up and downs by Dubu and all these incredible, incredible moments. And I'm, like, freaking out trying to get back to the media center because we were way out. Uh, I think it ended on, like, 13 or 14. And so there's all these like shuttles to shuttle like players and caddies and media and whatever back to the media center. So I was like, oh, I, I'm going to hop in one of these because I need to get back right away and radio somebody to see if anybody turned in my phone. So I'm just sitting in this van, like waiting to leave and Victor and his agent get in the van with me. So it's just the three of us like immediately after this match ends and his agents like gassing him up and just like, oh my God, man, they're calling you the next Sevy. You're not going to believe we're basically like. In his mind, just like we're about to make so much fucking money. <laughs> and Dubassan is just so like uh just dour and just like so French, just very just mm, mm, mm. like didn't say a word the whole time, just not happy, not sad, just super, super smug. Uh and yeah, that was kind of the last we heard from him. So mm. that that was uh that's one cool of up? my uh i did find my phone i think i finally got into the find my iphone tracked it down i think it was just uh somebody picked it up and i, I ended up calling him and uh tracking it down so you got to keep your faith in people neil they'll they'll, they'll look out for you I'll tie a bow on the story yeah and then i guess the last one real real quick was tiger uh when he shot 61 at uh akron on friday and i very sincerely everybody thought he was gonna shoot 59. <laughs> Like, I, I think he was, he was 10 under through 12 or like something crazy like that. And I was like inside the ropes had just started this job following everything up close, like truly one of the coolest days of covering golf. Uh, And it also, of course, resulted in one of my favorite press conference bits, which is where he is just like, well, I, I wasn't thinking about 59 because I mean, I've shot 59, <laughs> you know, I. I, I i shot 59 hours before so it's like it's not a big deal for me uh is is just one of my
3: one of my all-time favorite things so
1: that's what i got all right um, so i left
3: a couple
0: a couple like low hanging fruit ones out there for you
3: didn't i don't wanna, think i went to your thunder i
0: didn't go too low hanging fruit though i i that wasn't necessary. it was kind of like just random funny things that i've thought of from the wgc is going to top my list but we do of course got to start with tiger in the dark in akron uh, like when these events were starting, I was just an impressionable teenager, and I didn't understand that they were new or whatever. And like, I was from Ohio. Like these tournaments, when he would win, were fucking iconic. Like it, I remember watching this in the dark, and all of this happening after the rain delay, and I just don't like. It's really a dark. Uh, cameras make it look way. Whatever they say is that was like the origination moment, and I think it was Hal Sutton was playing with him, if if I remember right. And uh, he had a tiger at a charity event the next day or something, and they like rushed to finish. And somebody took a dive for tiger so he could make sure he could get this uh, get this in in time so they didn't have to do a Monday finish. But really, the Akron highlight for me. Is Steve Williams calling his win with Adam Scott the best of his career? Uh, of course, <laughs> Steve Williams getting getting interviewed on the 18th green. I still can't believe this happened. After Adam Scott won the Bridgestone after breaking up, uh, after Tiger had fired Steve Williams, he said, "I'm just so happy. I'm so thrilled that this has been the greatest week of my life. The support's just been incredible." Um, I don't have a picture or video to go with this one, but the first tee announcer at Chapultepec. I think it's very easy to forget how fire that guy was. Bienvenidos a la WGC Mexico (laughs) Championship. Like that dude was hype and that tournament was awesome. Justin Justin Thomas. Thomas. (laughs) And the dudes would just drive the green. That was the best way to start a golf tournament. I loved, loved, loved that scene. You had to be in front of a TV for that one. Uh, did, did you have Guaranamo on your list? Did not Geronimo did not make the list, but uh, JT holding out from the fairway uh, to force a playoff at at Mexico just spoke to the craziness that was that event. I already used, said this, but the the fact that Tiger won eighteen before anybody else won four of these uh, was very 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 sick. Uh, of course, of course, when Keegan and Miguel got into it at Harding yeah, Park, I, I was hoping uh, you would touch this one. That was yeah. That that
3: one live. That was
0: awesome. Again, only happens in match play. Uh, just Keegan not looking nearly as intimidating as he thinks he probably looks. And uh, I think Miguel would absolutely whoop his ass. I don't care how old he was at this point. But um, that,
1: that was the week we met, Neil. You remember that? That was,
0: yes. I spent uh, followed Jason Day for most of that my yeah. time out at the Harding Park. Um, of course, maybe the, maybe the most iconic Akron memory of them all, uh, Ashley Giovanni trying to get Rory's attention from the front ropes, uh, in 2014, oh, I forgot that was a WGC. God, that was a WGC. A that's when Rory was winning absolutely everything. He went on to win that, uh, and, uh, the PGA championship shortly after that, I couldn't find the picture of this, but Phil putting his arm around the Grupo Salino CEO during the playoff in 2018 at the WGC Mexico. <laughs> Um, but I did find the photo, of course, because the photo of Phil from Doral with the marshal grimacing in the background uh, after the year after the out is one of the most it's iconic images iconic. from WGCs ever. Um, and of course, closing it out with Patrick Reed uh, claiming to be a top five player in the world in 2014 is uh, is one of my great memories uh, as well from the WGCs. Oh so. my
3: God, I, I didn't realize this picture was from a WGC. That's good stuff.
0: I, I assume it was. It was from Doral I, when he almost chipped in, so I think that must have been the, the WGC. so Anyways, that was fun. I'm glad we, glad we did that. Why don't we transition that right into the Yeti coldest moment of the week? The Rambler 18-ounce bottle, your must-have cold drinking vessel, should be immediately added to your golf bag. This tough bottle, double-wall vacuum insulated, keeps your water cold until the very last sip. It's dishwasher safe for easy cleaning. Comes standard with the chug cap lid, the shatter-resistant drinking spout that allows for easy pulls, on the go. I love this thing. I've got like 8 of them. I throw that in my golf bag. I you ride around with it in the golf cart. I use it absolutely everywhere. Cannot say enough great things about the Yeti uh Rambler. This is if you're new to this segment, it can coldest moment of the week can mean absolutely anything. It's up to interpretation. Um so who wants to go first? Uh I can kick it off. I had two and I told Cody it
3: was going to be a game time decision. Um the, the the first option, which is not what we're going to do, was going to be uh, Mackenzie Hughes Max Icing Mackenzie Hughes with aim point for for two minutes, but we're going to move on and we're going to go with NBC doing uh, Cam Young dirty every time they showed like the match profiles. Every picture of Cam Young is him just with this thousand yard stare like, you know, it just everybody else is smiling in these pictures except for him. And it, I feel like I saw like this graphic with different pictures like four times this week. And they always kind of gave him with this thousand-yard stare, no smile, almost like dumb look on his face. And I think that's that was cold-blooded by NBC.
1: Uh, I'll, I'll pick it up there. Mine, I, I believe it was Cam Young that hit this one as well on number 12. This one's personal. I know for Neil, I had to ask him if I could take this. But just absolutely smoking our guy. He was a former CBS guy, I believe. We didn't even believe it was him because now he, yeah. he was working for NBC this week. Uh, but just completely nuking him with that drive on 12 right in the shoulder really i mean of course it's hard to see on on the monitors i'm sure but made only that much better by zinger back like, nah, no, no, i didn't hit him it's
3: like that ball ricocheted off the guy a human body that's never seen a, a more clearly somebody getting struck with a golf ball than this video evidence <laughs> just
1: absolutely just decimated him. It was uh, it was great. Then a fun little wink to it afterwards. But
3: I, I thought that was that was my coldest moment of the but week. Shout out to my guy. This guy is this uh, Greg Parker. He's a spotter for CBS, I think now NBC, and he has like aspirational aesthetic. He's got kind of a a light subtle goatee he's got the flow coming out always wearing the visor and he's just he'll just show up in big moments you'll see him in the back you've background. seen him on TV you have seen yeah, him keep if an you're eye listening out for to him. this you've heard you've seen him and also
0: and, he's a pros pro so i'll say this what was he doing standing there he's right in the zone yeah it, he was it, in he, the wrong spot that's a bad sure. spot bad spot by the spotter we can't have that greg but uh, you are a legend um, my coldest moment of the week um, recent a pod bump billy Horschel got out of the group stage made it into uh, the sudden death match play he is losing a match, I believe, to Cam Young by quite a bit. He missed a putt. I don't know if you guys saw this. Missed a putt and pulled one of the coldest moves I've ever seen. Uh, I mean, the, the baton boy, I believe he's been referred to in, in, uh, on the shotgun start. He picks up the ball with the back of the putter, and with the ball still attached to the back of the putter, did a full flip with the club, and the ball stayed on the club. That was about the swaggiest so- way to lose a hole. So I've, I've watched this many, many, many times, and, and initially I thought
1: that he scooped it, and it was like the centripetal force that that kept it there. I think it's like a forked putter, and he jammed it down on top. But still, still impressive. I just, you know, it it, I, it, it had like impossible bottle flip uh, vibes to it for for a second, and I think I think the ball stuck in there pretty good, but I. I would love to try
3: something similar. Yeah,
0: that is our Yeti coldest moments of the week. Um, all right, let's get to uh, to Rory. Well, Rory had some... Before go we ahead. get
3: to Rory, one other thing I want to call out is that I love about match play, very stupid, is it's the one time we get to see pros uh, quick rake. Uh, <laughs> when, they, stupid when they do short it. ones, and they go... It, it, uh, some really good ones this week of guys missing short putts and then doing the quick rake. It makes it very relatable for me.
0: That's why you don't see dudes with mallets make it very far in this event because you just can't you can't pull off the scoop with the mallet and you lose your confidence. That's I would look into maybe why Rory switched putters because he was using
3: that stupid spider where like when I see like fifteen handicaps using the putter that you can't
0: scoop with, I'm like, man, you're just not good enough for that. Like that's going to hurt your back. <laughs> Rory McIlroy gave some comments exclusively to the golf blog No Laying It Up um, this past week about <laughs> d- distance. Um, I, we've, we've trimmed some of these comments down. The article was on our website as well. We trimmed some of this down. He kind of leads it off by saying, um, you, you know, that, uh, he's happy they're not touching the amateur game, but just kind of speaks to, uh, the new proposed model local rule from the USGA and the RNA and how it will relate to the, uh, top level of professional golf. And here's the first bit of that. And we'll react to it on the back end. All right. It's been about a week since the announcement. USGA RNA proposal, model local rule. What is uh, what's your reaction to to what they announced and proposed?
4: You know, I like it. I I went on a little bit of a rant. I think back in Phoenix in 2021 when they made their first proposal, which was you know basically affecting you know every golfer that plays the game uh, recreationally and, and at the elite level. You know, I've been pretty adamant that I don't really want, you know, I don't really want the governing bodies to touch the recreational golfer because, I mean, we we need to make this game as, you know, not intimidating and as much fun to play as possible just to try to keep the participation levels at an all time high. So I'm I'm glad in this new proposal that they haven't touched the regu- uh, the, the recreational golfer, but for elite level play, I really like it. I, I really do. I know that's a really unpopular opinion amongst my peers, but I think it's gonna help identify who the best players are a bit easier, especially in this in this era of parity that we've been living in over the past couple of decades. Uh, I think it'll, you know, you guys use the term, like golf has been dumbed down a little bit at the elite level, I, I completely agree. And, and I think you're just gonna to have to, you're gonna see people with more well-rounded games you know, succeed easier, I guess, you know, than, than sort of what the game has become, um, you know, which is sort of a bit bomb and gouge over the the last few years.
0: And are you saying that
4: as in, I am a
0: fan of this change because it helps me, or do you, how do you see this helping professional golf or do you see it helping professional golf?
4: Selfishly, I think it helps me. Um, I, I think this is only going to help the better player. You know, it might help the longer player too, in some, in some ways, but I think overall, I think it's just gonna, it's gonna help the overall professional game. I think, uh, you know, and look, we're, I'm the same as you, Chris. Like I, I'm i a massive fan of the game and I'm probably too too much golf nerd to, to maybe know what really, what the casual fan wants to see. But, you know, I think, you know, making guys hit some long irons again and some mid irons and, Making the game, you know, being able to hit every club in your bag in a round of golf. Like I can't remember the last time when I've had to do that. And I think I don't know if this I don't know if this change in the in the ball will 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 make us do that, but it certainly is a step closer to that. And there's a ton of other stuff. There's the sustainability aspects of it. I think honestly, for the long term health of the game at the professional level, I think this is the right thing to do.
0: Has your view on this evolved
4: at all? And if so, how? It has, it has evolved. Yeah. I, uh, I was once of, you know, I was once of the opinion that, you know, they don't, they don't try to make formula one cars go slower. They don't, you know, innovation is a part of every sport. It's a part of every industry, but whenever that innovation outgrows the footprint of the game, that's when I think we have a problem. And, you know, I had a really good chat with the, the chairman of the all England lawn and tennis club when I was at Wimbledon a few years ago. And, we were just talking about a few things and he said Rory back in the early 2000s when you know men's tennis was predominantly serve and volley it wasn't very good for the entertainment aspect of the game you know like rallies wouldn't last more than three shots so he said we can't make the court any bigger so what what we did do is we slowed the ball down and we changed the grass on the court to make it a little stickier and then you fast forward from that change three years later and you've got Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal playing, probably one of the best finals of Wimbledon ever, right? So just from, you know, they didn't make a big deal of it. They didn't, you know, they didn't have to go through all the the things that the RNA and the USGA have to, but there's just another, you know, it's another example of another sport, slowing the ball down and, and making some changes that I think has benefit, has certainly benefited that sport. So people can talk about in this country about the, you know, going from an aluminum baseball bat in college to going to a wooden bat in, in the pros. And this isn't unique to golf. This this happens in, in other sports as well.
0: A lot of stuff that uh, I think we've, we've said and commented on that's pretty similar, but I think it means a little bit more. It just, it's a little bit different coming from a player of Rory McIlroy's stature joining uh, the likes of Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus that believe uh, a rollback at the professional level would, would serve a lot of needs. What's your guys' uh, reaction to what Mr. McIlroy had to say? Couple things stick out
3: to me. First off, the tennis match he referenced was God. I watched that. What a what a good tennis match! And the other thing that he mentioned that I've thought a lot about lately. And I know that this isn't possible, but the fact that you know Wimbledon and tennis was able to do that those changes almost quietly, or maybe I just maybe they maybe they weren't quietly. But sometimes I wonder if because it's been announced and it's been a big deal, like I almost feel like you could do this rollback and not tell anybody and nobody would notice. You know, it's like it's like people are just. Want to get all riled up because because it's being publicized if that makes sense and i know i know that's um what's the right word like wishful thinking like oh why don't you know i wish they could just do it quietly and 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 just do what's right for the game but uh it seems like tennis may have been able to do that and and three years later like he said like you get just awesome like better tennis basically for uh at the professional level so i like the you know the analogies he used
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's a lot of the same stuff we've, we've said for, for quite a while, I think it's, I appreciate hearing his, his self-awareness about like, Hey man, maybe, I don't know, maybe people want to see more, like maybe I don't know what people want, but like at least, Hey, I'm going to tell you what I actually think I really, I really, really do appreciate that. Right. Even if it's something that I'm sure many people even listen to this, like would disagree with or equipment companies would disagree with, or the PJ tour at large might disagree with, like, I, I do appreciate that. At least he's telling you what uh, what he actually thinks, and you know, uh, cue all the takes of Rory's getting paid by the USGA. Rory's a puppet for these people. Rory's whatever, but like I, I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but I listen to that clip and talk to him a little bit, and it's it's pretty hard to think that not, he's doing anything other than telling you what he thinks. Yeah, not only st-
3: like speaks freely and and gives his opinion, but is has the awareness and the feedback loop to be like, I know this isn't going to be popular with
0: my peers, and I thought this through, and it's evolved. From what I used to say, like he ranted about the distance study two years ago in Phoenix and said it was a giant, a colossal waste of money. Yeah. So I just think that
3: that's a, uh, that little line that you put in, like, I know this isn't gonna be popular with my peers and he still says it anyway. Like I, I appreciate that as someone at the, you know, kind of, you know, at the top of his
0: sport. He strikes me as somebody though, that has put in a heck of a lot more thought to it than a lot of the quick knee jerk reaction that has gone into it. Like I, again, I've said this like 95 times now. It's like, I'd not heard Any pros that have spoken on it or anyone that is anti-rollback, like, address the sustainability part of this. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I just brush right past that and want to ignore that part. And, like, where he's, like, kind of uses that even as a footnote because he knows – I think he knows, like, even trying to make his case. Like, I can make five other cases why this is going to be a good thing. We've talked about this parody thing that has gone on in golf. And I think whether or not people at home realize that – I don't think – I know we can tend to be romantic about it, and he kind of refers to that there as well about – The shot-making aspects of golf, I don't know if people at home will say that out loud or know that they think that out loud. Like, I want to see more crafty shots. Not a lot of people watch TV and and say that. But internally, you do want less parity. Like, you do want more superstars battling it out, right? And that also is an aspect, if the rollback is to be believed, would be exacerbated by this. And I think that's one of the more more understandable cases someone can make about it. And I appreciated Rory kind of going with that. Yeah, it benefits him, I know. So you can throw it out if you want to, but... Also, what benefits him is probably going to be pretty darn good for the entertainment aspect of pro golf.
1: And that's what, like kind of starts to get me like pretty excited about the rollback idea is when you start looking at some of those downstream effects and it's like okay if people are hitting longer clubs into greens then they're probably missing more greens so who are the best chippers on tour and who are the best putters on tour who are the best comeback putters on tour who are the best people that just like you know refuse to make bogeys like who who are those guys and how are they going to separate themselves because that to me is like Rory, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Jordan Spieth, all, you know, all these guys that I'm like, man, it seems like they're just going to separate even more. And it it kind of seems like you don't get to that point unless you've really started to give this a little bit more thought. And I think the sustainability thing is, is the same where it's like my gut reaction on the sustainability front was, oh, we're changing this for 38 PGA tour courses. Like that's not really fixing anything. But then when you start thinking about like, no, we might actually be using this ball at, the USAM and the British AM and all the qualifiers for that. And then that means we might be doing it in college golf. And that means we might be doing it on the AJGA. And that means we might be doing it, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, we're kind of talking about
0: like thousands and thousands of golf courses now, all of a sudden. Yep. Unless, unless all pro golf is just going to build stadium golf courses that have all the events, like it, the, the problem permeates uh, in a lot of different ways. It's likely only the beginning. Um, let's get to the, the second half of this, which I found to be quite controversial, what he has to say uh, to close this out. I was not expecting this statement. What do you think the PGA Tour is going to do? Do you foresee a situation where they maybe reject this model local rule? Do you feel any duty to provide any influence in that? What do you, how do you see that kind of playing out?
4: Yeah, so as I said, I think my opinion differs from from my peers and, and probably the PGA Tour as a whole. Uh, and obviously look, this is just my opinion and I'm only one voice. But you know, I think, you know, honestly, you know, if I'm taking my PGA Tour hat off here, you know, the the major championships are already such a big deal in the game of golf. And if the major championships somehow adopt this, this ball change and, and the PGA Tour doesn't, it just, I think widens that gap between PGA Tour golf and major championship golf, which, you know if anything the PGA tour are trying to get you know trying to make up some sort of market share trying trying to get a little closer to the major championships in terms of the interest that that we create within our, our tournament so i'd hate to see a scenario in 2026 where i start the year off honestly you know if you know for me the major championships are the biggest deal so if the PGA tour doesn't implement it I might still play that the model local rule ball because I know that that'll give me the best chance and the best preparation leading into the major championships. And again, this is personal preference and personal opinion. At this stage of my career, like I know that I'm gonna be defined by the amount of major championships that I hopefully will will win from now until the end of my career. And you know, that's the most important thing for me. So if that gives me the best chance to, if that gives me the best chance to to succeed at the major championships and feel as prepared as I probably possibly can be, that's what I would do. That's solid hitting him with a, with a McAtee bill. McAtee. Oh, really? Really?
0: <laughs> really?
4: <laughs> I did not
0: expect Which is that. my exact reaction to that too. I still don't, you know, obviously it's a hypothetical, but uh, I, I don't know if that's a strategic move <laughs> of his to kind of put pressure on the PGA tour or um, it was just a, I, I can kind of see where he's coming from on that. Like, dude, When I'm 37, whatever that age I'm going to be at that point, like, dude, whatever happens from there is all about the majors. And I will use the PGA tour events as prep for the, for the majors. I'm going to play this ball in competition and that's going to help me hopefully give me an advantage in those majors. I, it's, it's kind of a weird marrying of like, he's ridden really freaking hard for the PGA tour and set out the future of the PGA tour. And, Uh, at the same time saying this means, so do you have any idea how little this means to me guys? Uh, was kind of a shocking statement, I guess, but, uh, I, I still very much is kind of a TBD to be seen kind of situation as well. I think, uh, Jimmy Lusk in
1: the, uh, in the comments kind of read my thoughts exactly. Maybe Rory's watching too much succession. Maybe he's, uh, he's just trying to make a big, a big, bold play and, uh, you know, get in the boardroom and start, start making some people call his bluffs. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of with you, Sally. The more I thought about it, the more I'm like, man, the 37 year old, 38 year old, 39 year old, 40 year old Rory, like, is what's the difference between? I mean, how many PJ Tour wins does he have now? 25, something like that. It's like, it, I, you know, I don't think it's controversial to say he's probably not getting to 82. <laughs> so what what's the difference between 25, 30, and 25, and, yeah, and 35 and 37? And I mean, I, I get like you know, there's a lot of freaking money at stake here, but Rory also has a lot of freaking money already. And I, I, I very much get where the inversion happens and the, you know, he starts focusing on doing every single thing he can to max out those major chances, which are very, very minimal. Uh, so I, I'm, I started it with just like, all right, come on. There's no way this is true. And have come all the way around to like, he might be crazy. Now he he's crazy. Enough he'll do
3: it. He, he, <laughs> he might do it. Uh, so who knows? It's going to be fun to watch and see. Well, and one other thing I'll point out similar to what I said in the first clip is it, I, I really appreciate you. You can hear Royal, He's almost working this out in real time. Yep. Right. It's not talking points. It's not rehearsed. It's, it's like, he's, he's thinking about the issue. He's thinking about the question and, and. I don't know if I wish there were more professional athletes that were doing that.
0: I'd like to see like him, like chat about this with other top players. Maybe some guys that like a, a back and forth between them would be super interesting on the topic. And, uh, again, I, I just, not just because I think he views it very similar to similarly to us. Uh, it's he's like I said, he just seems to have done the most thought and re, put the most thought and research into it, into that opinion. Um, and it's going to be going to be talked about a lot going forward. So, I think
1: there's I think there's something very very interesting and notable and fascinating about Rory having the 18 months that he's just had and having every word that he's said picked apart and lo- probably losing more fans than he's ever lost before and <laughs> having people, you know, call him all kinds of PJ tour names and whatever and coming like you kind of have two choices when you you come out on the other side of that, right? It's like I could either like all right i'm just gonna, just gonna not say up, anything yeah. and i'm gonna not give any interviews blah 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 or you know what man i don't give a fuck and i'm gonna say what i want to say and i'm gonna double down and people are gonna get mad and that's fine and it's i think incredibly admirable to to come out on that side rather than just throw your hands up and and uh not say anything to anybody
0: so it's it's impressive that he's he's out there
1: doing it i respect that a lot
0: That'll come up at Augusta press conference, I imagine, as well. And that's going to be a topic for, for Fred Ridley for his press conference. And uh, there's going to be a lot of freaking storylines here. I, I kind of got chills a little bit when uh, Damon Hack closed his uh, interview with Rory today. was like, all right, we'll see you in Georgia. I was like, oh, my God, this shit is, it is coming very soon. <laughs> Eight days away from Masters Week. is kind got a while. What else from this week? Uh, Johnson Wagner had some takes. I don't know if you guys caught this on the uh, Golf Subpar podcast. Uh, he was asked about um, kind of the new designated event structure. I, I, I'm a big fan of Johnson Wagner's work on, on Golf Channel and, and whatnot. I was very you know, surprised, taken back by this take, I guess. Uh, he said, I'm furious about it. And he was referring to uh, Nick Taylor at the Waste Management <laughs> He said, He's Nick, mad as hell. next year, we aren't going to have that story. And Nick Taylor is a baller. He's a two-time winner. I love me some Nick Taylor. I think what makes the PGA Tour so great is having those guys in those okay. events. And I'm shocked and disappointed. I'm a company man, and I love the PGA Tour, but I cannot believe they made this decision. I think Liv was dead in the water, and it's like they went down and resuscitated it with this decision. Completely boneheaded to me. I just think you are getting to the point where you have two tours. Yes. Rest of the page, rest of the class has been on this page for quite a while. Uh,
1: I appreciate you catching up and you know, I I can't stress enough how entitled you are to your opinion on on this front, but for, I host a golf podcast weekly, watched that entire tournament. If you gave me a hundred thousand dollars to tell you who tell, tell you who the third person was in in that, like, I, you know, I knew Scotty's coming down the stretch uh who what god i know it was a it was a guy uh he played really well i think he's won before i don't know was it like chad ramey or something uh i couldn't i wouldn't have gotten to nick taylor and that i think is is kind of the point i love right? me some great nick story taylor. for nick taylor love and me I, love
3: I, me it, some nick taylor but uh, yeah you know what it, i can watch nick taylor at the honda and if yeah. nick taylor balls out of the honda then i'll get no, you know, him bring, bring him on man let's go it's not yeah. like it's it's not cementing two tours it's just I don't know, making it a little easier for us to get, you know, the top dudes, the hottest players in the world together, and showing, you know, into a showdown format more often. So, I I think the I th- resuscitating lid. That, that's is- the part. I,
0: that's <laughs> the part that's sticking out to me. Revenge like, of the Mules. You man. know what? Like this, this I you know, <laughs> mule by mule, we're, we're building this tour. This plan that like all of the top players came up with to stay committed to the PGA Tour. I think this plan that they put together—the the guys that drive 99% of the value—proposed uh, this thing and eventually got pushed through. Yeah, that is what is going to resuscitate Live is one of the all-time takes in my book. I was yeah. just my jaw dropped when I saw that this is going to resuscitate Live. I was like, no, I think literally, man, this is the move to counter Live and uh i was just like ready for i'm ready i was ready for some pushback to that part of the conversation because it's like I, I, yeah i don't like ryan armor seemed to think of like yeah well i mean why wouldn't guys go to live after this it was like dude i think they're extremely comfortable with that range of player yeah. going to live i think everyone I, is I, extremely comfortable with that would, would encourage live to set up a a nick taylor all you can eat buffet <laughs> just take it take as much as you want man it's all all yours all yours <laughs> go for it uh and then he added in some unless they come up with some kind of qualification status where the top 60 get in or top 50 get into those designated events and the other 20 to 25 spots can be filled up by current year guys that are playing well that could make some sense but still i'm shocked
3: yeah God, it's, it's just gonna be like an or kind of part of the system of mules going <laughs> yeah. to live you know just <laughs> dusty you can see it for miles a caravan of mules just
0: <laughs> heading out to the desert Oh, broken axle, $200. Eastward ho, here we go. <laughs> so much dysentery. Uh, Yeah, to that, oh, I'd say, yes, there is a- Bloggers qual- out there helping him afford the rivers. There is a qualification <laughs> system uh, among the current year guys that are playing well, I think has got another shocking part of that. But he managed to get a shot in at us for our critiques of TV coverage as well. So that was- he's really uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I do like him on Golf Central. I think he's been a great yeah. addition. But uh, yeah, it's tough, tough scene on the takes. LPGA is wrapping up as we are finishing Georgia Hall has a one shot lead. Um, and Celine Boudier is trying to track her down. Mike Wallace, uh, wins on the PGA tour. Some other two PGA tour events this week. He wins the Corrales Punta Cana, uh, championship by one shot over a bunch of guys, including Nikolai Hoygaard, much to TC's chagrin. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of that cause there was another PGA tour event going on at the same time, but glad Need they played to the, it. Uh, it seemed like uh, the the those 60 guys had minutes,
3: fun. uh, ticking clock on on the podcast board so
0: we can fire that up anytime mike wallace is in the hunt a <laughs> <laughs> uh, guy that played great at valspar last week and didn't quite get it over the hump and then goes down and wins at boots yeah, gone uh nikolai horgaard second tyler duncan and sam stevens finished uh t3 down there don't listen to their music but the fact that they're out there making it respect that it's almost like there's two tours you know, yeah keep it going <laughs> yeah um, you guys ready to have some Rider Cup fun? Let's do it. We are doing these monthly segments that, of course, brought to you by our friends at BMW, a worldwide partner of the 2023 Rider Cup. BMW will be electrifying the Rider Cup with a fully electric fleet of vehicles for players and officials. This September, listen, our previous segments in January, we drafted a U.S. Rider Cup team. I think I would have some changes to my team already two months later, which I think we knew we would happen. Last sure. month, we selected a European Rider Cup team, probably would make some changes even to last month's team. We're still waiting on TC's team. We're going to get to it. Uh, but we're going to mix it up a little bit. Um, we're going to do a, a little story time, if you guys will indulge me a little bit. We, of course, did a deep dive podcast episode about the 1991 Ryder Cup. With our, thanks to our friends at BMW, actually, about the war by the shore. Um, and there's a great, uh, Shane Ryan's done a bunch of great Rider Cup run episodes of the, kind of the run up to the 91 Ryder Cup that kind of set things off and whatnot. But it really was a, uh, a, a, particular Ryder Cup that changed the, the course of history in this one and do you guys know what year I might be talking about when it comes to that it's a uh, very pain, 1983 painful loss on the American side um yeah I know you probably want to think of Medina when you think of painful loss on the American side but on home turf uh they won in 83 at PGA National but what was it, what was the next one and do you know where it was oh
1: uh uh, uh 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 I don't just tell
0: me we are going to Muirfield Village uh in 1987 is this team is captained by none other than Tony Jacklin. Well the US team is captained by <laughs> oh Jack Nicholas. Jack and Barbara Nicholas were the captains uh 1987. <laughs> uh and remember so in 85 Europe won the Ryder Cup for the first time since 19 19- 57 it was 16 and a half and 11 and a half that they won at the belfry it embarrassed the u.s golfers uh writing for sports illustrated jaime diaz said that the loss at the belfry engendered the persistent taunt that Sevi ballesteros and bernhard Langer were better than any american pro uh, a lot of the Americans, you know, were convinced it was a fluke. They had more talent. Having Captain Jack Nicholas on their side on a course he designed, it's going to definitely restore the American dominance. Uh, you know, the, the Europeans laughed, laughed at the team atmosphere at the, on the U- U.S. side at the need for the extra motivation to play well. Nick Faldo said, we don't need any motivation. We are playing for history. It's like playing for your life. Um, it was mm. also Jose Maria Olazabal's first Ryder Cup. Seve took him under his wing and acted like a brother all week. He said he showed me the spirit of the Ryder Cup. Going into this, Nicholas was uh, a little skeptical about his team's chances. He uh, he said to Jaime Diaz, "They had a bunch of guys who get the get the most out of their game, but we can't have any don't have any kind of player with the game that can be dominant. And I don't see him emerging right away. Uh, and so Europe jumps out to a ten and a half to five and a half lead." Uh, after two rounds that uh had people questioning whether the cushy life of the PGA tour had made players soft and that exempting 125 guys every year had given oxygen to the sentiment that most Americans didn't know how to win tournaments and I, and god that's a, such a sick It thing. is and they and they the the, cat, the catalyst for that was they kept losing matches on the 18th hole so the take was that the Americans just didn't have guys that knew how to win you know it's a bummer that seems to have gone away in sports writing is is just
1: Like no hyper aggressive, (laughs) hyper aggressive, no consequence takes based on thirty six holes of golf. (laughs) Like, wow, these last two days, I just, I don't know.
0: I think we got to blow up the whole entire system. If you hear like Nicholas describe his team, it makes it sound like he had a bunch of like Cam Trungali's on his team. It's like the problem with the American golf system is because it's so difficult to win. Our guys rarely get into position to contend on the stretch, and instead of being aggressive, they develop a percentage type of style play. I'm actually kind of like, actually, you know what? That kind of does make a little sense over 72 holes of stroke play. But he said, on the European tour, there is less competition, which puts players in, comp- in contention more often and makes them better, more aggressive finishers, uh, which is kind of hard I, to argue I with that in, in yeah. that in that time period. Um, so going into Sunday... The U.S. needed to win nine of 12 singles matches to win back the cup, Uh, but Europe came out shaky. Uh, The Americans grabbed the momentum when Andy Bean beat Ian Woosnam, Um, and it was very clear as the day unfolded that Ben Crenshaw versus Eamon Darcy was going to be a huge match. Have you guys ever heard what, what happened in this match? Do you have any idea where I'm going with this? I don't think so. So Darcy was 35 years old. He was generally thought of as Europe's weakest player. Um, Tony Tony Jacklin once described his swing as agricultural. Uh, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but I, I know that's not a compliment. That's the only thing I do know. He, was a, the, he was a gatherer, not a hunter. He is the 100th ranked, 111th ranked player in the world. Crenshaw was 35th. On the sixth hole, Ben Crenshaw missed a short putt that put him two down in the match. And in his anger, he slammed his putter down, a putter that he'd had since he was 15 years old and snapped the shaft in half. He said he ta- he later claimed he tapped it down like uh, on a walnut, and it snapped. It was like somebody shot me. It took four holes to recover. I love the exaggerations in this time period as well. It was like somebody shot me. Prior to this match, Amon Darcy had played 10 Ryder Cup matches. Can you guys tell me how many that he had won? Uh, one. Zero. He was zero, eight, oh. and two. Uh, But now Crenshaw had to play the rest of the round, putting with his wedges and the irons. Uh, And a fan heckled Amon Darcy, said, if you can't beat him now, laddie, you're never going to beat him. Uh, Crenshaw made it work. He made a three-foot par putt with a wedge on the 11th hole to win. He made an 18-footer with a one-iron on the 13th, and then used this one (laughs) iron again to make a six-foot birdie putt on the 16th. And Amon Darcy said he thought Crenshaw was putting with his irons by choice, not by necessity. Uh they said it basically uh, he thought it was because the greens were so fast it was used to sl- uh, he was using irons to slow down the pace on the greens, which is again also a very sick take. Crenshaw was one up going to seventeen, but Darcy ended up winning that hole. Crenshaw hooks his drive into the water on eighteen uh made a seven footer for bogey to force Darcy to make a three foot putt, but closed Jeez. it out uh to win the Ryder Cup. They erupt in a huge celebration. um there was just like. Uh, something happened after that. I couldn't find the documentation of this. Like Nicholas took his guys into a villa or something and just laid into him, just totally lambasted them. Uh, it, it sent the Americans soul-searching. They began talking about reshaping the entire format of the PGA Tour uh, based on this loss, and Nicholas would say, there are, there are a lot of guys who sit on our money list from about 30 to 200 who will say, there goes Nicholas again, but I'm going to keep pre- preaching. You've got to have winners, you've got to have heroes, and you've got to have superstars that people look at uh and so even as of 1980 beans not getting that job done man even as of 1987 nicholas was still beating down this like breaking off the pga tour thing and proposing that which i did not know that part of the 1987
3: Ryder cup holy cow Had no ice cream
0: for the american team after that <laughs> well you can get going on these things and like I, I it's really hard to summarize that in five to ten minutes because you could do like shane's done an hour-long podcast on this one like the underlying themes of all these things is what makes, again, what contributes to making the Ryder Cup my favorite favorite event in golf. Well, you know what? Shout out to Crenshaw, too.
3: Uh, Cody and I got a chance to look at his uh, kind of home track Austin Golf Club. Awesome. I mean, and kind of hearing stories of Gentle Ben around uh, Austin. He's he's a legend in those parts. So, you know. I, you guys have any, any Tito's after the round? Uh, yes, or maybe during. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, great. It was a great day in Austin, Texas. So appreciate the hospitality down there. What, what do you think, uh, Cody? Anything to add there?
2: No, it was amazing. It's a prime example of what really, really, really good green complexes can do. And also, I want to say when we were at Austin Country Club watching the match play, we were walking around. Tom Kite was right in front of us looking very spry, rocking a pair of Jays. I was like, what? This guy rocking yeah, he looked pretty swaggy. What's
0: up? Yeah. Shout out to Sports Illustrated and various other U.S. newspapers for the research, and Kevin Van Valkenburg, who helped me, of course, uh, accumulate that story. But uh, Any other uh, housekeeping stuff uh, for this week? Or, or, Cody, anything that we missed? Go ahead, Deidre, with housekeeping.
2: Waiting to, uh, waiting for this final round of the LPGA to finish up right now. Uh, we're, we're chipping for Got an eagle chip right now. She has to birdie the 18th hole in order to tie Georgia Hall in the clubhouse. That's Celine Booty, you're yep, saying? Yep, at 20 under so. Uh, I'll wait until you guys wrap up Housekeeping at the end.
1: Not too much video front. Uh, I don't know the exact dates yet. We're we're figuring out where things are going to slot in. But we tweeted something this week. We're going to have a new series coming out with our our good friend uh, Michael Wolf. You might know him as Bama Bearcat on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he refuses to call himself a golf historian, but I think he's uh, he's about as close as anybody I've he's, ever met. Sh- surely he's like Dan and, Carlin. Uh, I'm not a historian. He
0: is, okay, he is. But I is. you know I That's,
3: celebrate Tuckman's work on the Great
0: War. <laughs>
1: that's exactly right. And, uh, so we've, we've got some really, really fun stuff. He put together a great video, uh, basically on how the masters became the masters, what, what the history of it is, what, what levers they pulled to really, uh, kind of make it into the biggest golf tournament in the world. Um, so really excited for that. We've got a a fitting video, a full fitting video with KBV, uh, from our friends at Titleist that will be coming out shortly. And then, uh, we've also got some Another film room from uh, the Gasparilla looking at at, up close and personal at Solly's round uh, with Justin Hubert on the bag. So some great player caddy stuff, a little bit of a different spin on a tournament that we've covered uh, covered in the past. And then some other video stuff that'll be coming soon. We're not, we're not quite ready for you yet, Neil. We're not quite ready to talk about it
3: yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll let you know when you, when we know you'll know. But big, big, big week in the uh, pro shop. We've got the master's collection, some more
0: spring the first major collection in. i don't think it's but don't believe oh, yeah. it's affiliated Good point with the, first with major that collection okay. that's <laughs>
3: exactly right the, the first first major collection uh newsletter will go first out. shot nest members get early access nest newsletter will go out tuesday and then the uh bigger wider newsletter will go out thursday so easiest place to stay up to date on the merch newsletter.nolangup.com neil what's uh, what's the nest that. man what's that the nest is our our uh you know Kind of the center of the maze i think is the best way to put it so if you want to learn more about the nest no laying up.com forward slash join uh you get a lot of extra perks if you're a nest member
2: big and i'll be back this week with a, a lpga pod recapping the tournament that's going on right now the LP, lpga drive-on championship celine boutier putting on 18 has to make drains it to go to a playoff at 20 hundred with georgia hall so we're not going to finish this in time for succession to start but uh we'll uh do a full recap with the big guy he is alive i know people have been asking where's big where's big he's alive we actually recorded an episode er- or uh, a section segment uh, earlier today with young Roseanne a uh, little anwa preview so excited for that it'll be included there and uh that's it that's all i got
0: Shout out to Lauren Coughlin for uh, almost the Mackenzie Hughes this weekend, 67-67 on the weekend. I believe she was T21 last I looked. So great weekend for a yeah. young hitter there. So, uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to yet another live show. Shout out to our friends at High Noon and the brand new Tequila Seltzer. Please go check it out. It is very, very, very much worth your time. Shout out to Yeti, shout out to Titleist, shout out to BMW, shout out to everybody uh, and for listening, tuning in, watching, tweeting, harassing us on Twitter, all the good stuff. So thank you all for being here on a Sunday evening, wrapped up in time for Succession. Excited for and, this. And- Oh, would would be remiss if I didn't plug. mention if you'd like to hear an hour and a half on
2: Succession with Rory McElroy, that is on the trap draw podcast. That's
0: a real thing Rory. that happened this past week. That's a real thing. You guys thing put us
2: happened. in a tough spot. Neil and I coming out with an episode of the booth next week. It just it's hard falling up, Rory, man. <laughs> tough tough, uh, tough act to follow. I know. Um, <laughs> but we did it
3: live. First first not live, but in person. So it's good to good to get in literal literal Cody set up like an interrogation booth in his hotel room. Yeah, yeah. It, I was Uh, welcome
0: welcome in Neil please have a seat over here so that'll that'll be out this week impressed with our timing here thanks again everyone for tuning in we'll see you back here we'll be not live next week but of course we'll be live for the Masters shows after every round we'll have a Masters preview we'll have all of the works Uh, so thank you for tuning in we'll see you back here next week cheers cheers Cheers. be the right club be the right club today
1: yes that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect any